Hey everyone, welcome to episode one, part two of Nice to Meet You, a show where two perfect strangers get to know each other via podcast. If you haven't already, please listen to part one, as it'll make part two make a lot more sense. Without further ado, here's part two. I think losing your relationship at our age is really hard because these are such formative years and like... Yeah... I just think you associate whoever those people are with like so many ch- changes in your own life or like mm-hmm. you, you just feel like those I don't know I, I just feel like those people leave a really big impression on your life oh yeah for sure um but so does school honestly because it's it adds so much structure to our lives so those must have been really hard things to go through yeah yeah for sure um yeah it was it was really hard to break up with my ex because we had been dating since I was like 18 yeah so until 21 essentially so all of a sudden this support that I'd had through my essentially my adult life was Mm -hmm. gone Mm -hmm. um and everything was different I had to make friends (laughs) um I'm really glad it happened I think it was for the best for both of us oh yeah but um yeah it's so interesting how it really really can it has a huge impact on you hey do you believe in cuffing season in cuffing season what is cuffing season okay so i always thought it was a cuffing in reference to like rolling up the ends of your clothes Mm -hmm. but apparently it's like handcuffing season it's like when you the season where people just like intentionally seek out partners without being too picky because they don't want to be alone through the long winter so it's like both a celebration but also kind of desperate (laughs) (laughs) well i don't know central heating has done a lot for me in terms of being warm through winter uh, I don't. I don't think so. What do you think? I want to. Uh, sometimes there are moments where I just want to feel young, um, and I find that's really, really hard for me because I just love loving, like being in love with people. Uh-huh. And I feel like cuffing season doesn't ask you for that. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, so you want kind of an experience where that's not something that's almost expected of you. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Well. Good, good luck on your cuffing journey. Thank you. I love that it's called cuffing season. I was imagining somebody just getting smacked upside the head. <laughs> oh my god, that's like probably honestly what it feels like yeah, come okay. March or whatever. But what happens if your cuffing season becomes more than a cuff? <laughs> you get feelings? Yeah. I feel like that's fine. That's I a good thing. Or, well, but do you get to live out your, your desire to be young in that case? Well, I feel like if it's... If it's just all feelings, then maybe you've just had your fill of being young. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What's your least favorite chore? My least favorite chore? Hmm. I kind of like doing chores. Me too. Oh, I do have a least favorite chore. Vacuuming. Really? Yeah. I am super sensitive to noise. Mm-hmm. Like, ridiculously sensitive to noise. Um, and vacuuming is just so noisy. Like, the sound of it, and the sound of, like, the hose, you know, clacking against stuff, and I don't know, all of, there's all these, like, sharp noises that just drive me up the wall. I cannot, ugh, it's the worst. When I got Bluetooth headphones, things changed for me, but before that, it was just a bad time. What about you? I'm glad you have headphones now. <laughs> Thanks. Okay, what I kind of hate about chores is, like, their cyclical nature. It's like, you just mm. got the house clean. And then you enjoy it for a tiny little bit, and then it's time to do chores again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't really like dusting. I don't trust anything that like 
thinks it can trap dust. I'm like, I'm just releasing this back into the air mm-hmm. to watch it settle. Yeah. <laughs> no, I totally know what you mean. I kind of like the cyclicalness of chores. It's, it's kind of like a nice repetitive task. Like a ritual? It's like a ritual. Yeah. And I don't know. It it, it, it kind of reminds me that I live in a place. Mm-hmm. Kind of gives me a sense of a sense of place. Hashtag human geography. Um, but yeah, it, 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 I think it, it ties me to places in, in a way. If, if I get to clean something or if I have to pick my laundry up off the floor of a place, that means that I am there, you know? Mm. I don't know. I don't know if that makes any sense. That's really beautiful. Thanks. <laughs> okay, your go. Okay. Um, okay, if you were given $500,000 with no strings attached, what would you do with it? I'd probably just pay off my student loans and then uh, I'm thinking about who I would distribute the rest to. Um, I feel like it'd be really hard to distribute it among your friends and family because mm-hmm. then I would be like, do I really only mean a thousand dollars to you or something? Yeah. Um, and it'd also be really hard just to like give it to some arbitrary cause. Like I think a lot of people are like, yeah, like I build houses for people in Ecuador. I think that's really cool. Mm-hmm. That's not something I could do. I would probably repair some of Capital Housing. I've been hearing about how awful it is mm-hmm. in terms of maintenance. I feel like I would just like pick maybe like the Capital Housing complex in Bannerman because it's just close to where I live mm-hmm. and maybe I'd spruce it up. <laughs> yeah, that's that's really great. It's it's interesting. A lot of public housing projects are not well taken care of. And it's a big problem because the costs just keep mounting and mounting. And if you don't do kind of just like small maintenance things, it really adds up. And I feel like honestly it has a psychological effect on people. Oh yeah, for sure. I watched a horrible documentary once where there's just like cockroaches in people's houses and it was just like living in filth. Mm -hmm. And not just like their filth, just built up filth over years of neglect. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's, it's horrible because people don't really have control over those spaces Mm -hmm. um because they belong to someone else they're i don't think that people are given the dignity of really even being allowed to claim ownership over those spaces yeah so you feel like that filth is imposed on you Mm -hmm. and that somebody just wants you to live in filth yeah somebody (laughs) thinks you're filth so you're gonna live in filth you know what i mean you're not you're not worthy of anything else it's so interesting how resistant people seem to be to letting people who are not well off live in comfortable situations yeah like how often do you hear people talking about oh this person's poor but they have a new iphone yeah you know like why can't why can you just like let them have this one thing i feel like i'd love to study like just the medieval period of (laughs) european history because i I don't know, I feel like this has been such a miserable time, but I feel like just so many ideas about what life is supposed to be like come from then. Mm -hmm. Um, Also, I love the illustrations from back then. (laughs) Nobody knew how to draw anything. It feels like me. Just have like a, what are those called? The jousting pole up their butt and (laughs) the chicken on their head. Yeah. The worst. Did you know, I I was reading about food in the medieval ages the other day. Okay. And they drank almond milk. Yeah, amazing. Yeah, I was like so shocked by this. Bunch of bougie people in middle evil, medieval ages. I didn't know that. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> what would you do with that money? With $500,000? Mm-hmm. I would also pay off student loans. 
I'd probably invest some of it. Um, but I'm really worried that I'm going to be out of control of my body and also poor, yeah. you know, and, and not being able to take care of myself. So I'd want to like start a retirement plan. I'd probably give it to, or at least some of it, to some sort of community empowerment initiative that's that's working towards like community cohesion or giving giving people the tools to help themselves Mm -hmm. so i think i think a lot of the time when we're thinking about how we can better people's lives we think of it as something that we're bestowing on them from above yeah um when i think really if we just you know gave people the time of day and gave them the resources they would be able to make decisions for themselves and i think that would be great i think we should do that more often not to say we shouldn't support people but i think it would be a lot better for people if we could actually i don't know give them to to the tools to succeed without being patronizing are there any examples that come to mind i listened to this woman speaking one time a professor from another university and she said that community programs are really where it's at Mm -hmm giving people yeah the tools to to make better their own lives mm-hmm. instead of you know trying to implement some policy mm-hmm. instead actually give people the tools to say these are the policies we need mm-hmm. or this is what we actually need or get get people in a space where they can fend for themselves in a lot of ways okay yeah if that makes sense <laughs> man human geography is so cool human geography is really neat <laughs> Human geography apparently grew out of like public health nursing in really? a roundabout way because all of uh, um, urban planning and I don't know maybe not human geography as much because I think it's like maybe more of a less of an applied study mm-hmm. of it. But anyway, um, so because before antibiotics, like building codes were so important to stop people from getting sick, mm-hmm. um, and so a lot of that was coming from nursing and that like people who were public health inspectors mm-hmm. um, were actually like nurses or public health workers. Wow. But now it's its own separate thing. Right. That's really interesting. Yeah. Huh. Look at that. Human geography slash planning and nursing have more in common than I would have thought. Yeah. Well, actually, there's there's certain people in human geography, even the person whose office we're sitting in now, who study health geography. Wow. There you go. Do you have a talisman? I do have a talisman. When I was going through that really rocky period I was telling you about Mm -hmm. earlier, my mom gave me this little bracelet Mm -hmm. that has little turtles on it. And she said, turtle power, because I don't know. I think that it's a talisman of hers that Uh turtles can like uplift you. So I always wear it when I'm going through a rough time. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if it helps, but it, it feels like it does. It feels like it does. So yeah, I guess I guess that's my talisman. Wow. Yeah. What about you? I don't feel like I have one object. Like I think it shifts for me. But there was a period of my life. I don't really do this as much anymore. But there's a period of my life where I, days on when I felt like I really needed strength, I would like write a word on my rib cage in lipstick, mm. and just like keep that under my clothes. And yeah. What kind of words would you write? It, it depends on what. I needed but often or just like write the word yes with an exclamation point <laughs> <laughs> that's great sort of like an affirmation of your strength or something mm-hmm. nice why lipstick why did you choose lipstick i feel like it's kind of like femme armor in some ways oh wow yeah <laughs> you become more noticeable but also yeah i think that that like a, 
attention or attraction to whatever has its own kind of power. That's so true. Lipstick is femme power. <laughs> Every time somebody's wearing lipstick, I'm like, dang, yeah, you're doing it. You're mm. really out there doing it. You know? <laughs> Look at you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yes. What are some things that you had to unlearn? Wow, good one. <laughs> um, I didn't make up that one by myself. I was like, oh, what's a good question? And went online. So can't take oh credit. It's so hard, though, because I think part of unlearning is like being really ashamed of the things that you once knew. You're like, I don't want to <laughs> I don't want to admit that I ever believed it, that. Yeah, for sure. Uh, also, it feels like a lot of the decisions I've made are products of decisions I made before. OK, yeah. One long chain, which is not always true. So we're I guess what are points that I've had to break that chain? I feel like I've had to unlearn some things about monogamy that I've always assumed mm-hmm. um, that I don't necessarily realize I don't necessarily have to believe. Like, there's nothing forcing me um, for that. And I think that, honestly, I think I used to get really intimidated by, like, the idea of romantic relationships because I was afraid of how much another person would demand of me or how much I would have to demand of that person. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just, I just feel like my understanding now is becoming way more kind of liberal. And mm-hmm. I think as long as I can find people to make that work with, that's really good. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that's unlearning just because like a lot of the cultural models we have for romantic relationships are super high commitment. Oh, yeah, for sure. I've also had to unlearn things. I think that um, a lot of it was um, a lot of the things that my parents taught me. I think that they were very um, strict and also that their assumptions, I think, about this, the people I grew up around were pretty negative I think like I felt like I grew up in Canada but in a sort of censored version where like everything around me was like Canada but my parents didn't want me to take any kind of part of it like Mm. it was super hard when I was a kid to to get them to let me like sleep over at a friend's house or whatever because all those people were just like bad and immoral and I think that took a lot of unlearning as I got older Mm. (laughs) um what else have I learned about the world um, I think I still have a lot of unlearning to do as a treaty person about what it means to live on treaty land and mm-hmm. what kind of relationship I have with like First Nations and Métis and Inuit people and how that is pertinent like beyond land acknowledgements and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, that's something that I'm going to spend my whole life learning about. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So those are just a few things. Mm-hmm. What are some things you've had to unlearn? That's a really good question. <laughs> it is a good question. I wish I could take credit for it. Okay, so I had something to ask you. It's this. <laughs> I don't want you to take this the wrong way. No. But there's this thing that I've been wanting to do for a really long time. Uh huh. And I feel like this would be a perfect opportunity to do it in another episode. Okay. Have you heard of this thing? It's like 36 questions to ask to fall in love. That's so sweet. I can't believe we're going to be in love. No, I'm just <laughs> kidding. I just think that the questions would be really interesting to answer yeah. and to hear people's responses to. Would you be interested in doing that? I would love that. Cool. Let's do it. I feel like right now it's like 10 questions to get ready for the 36 (laughs) questions. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, What are some things you've had to unlearn? Right. Had to unlearn. Um, Yeah, so I was talking about um, having to unlearn being angry and just responding with anger to things um, that people say to me or that I feel. Mm. And just um, learning to take a step back from things and... And really assess like what I'm feeling and why I'm responding the way I'm responding um, has been a thing that I've been really, really working on doing. And it's not like 100% yet, but yeah, I think that I handle 
being frustrated or angry a lot better than I used to. That's amazing. Emotional literacy 2018. Emotional literacy 2018. Mm-hmm. You're right. Hopefully in 2019 too. We're kind yeah. of coming to the end of 2018. All the years <laughs> are for emotional literacy. Yeah. That's a really hard thing. Also. Yeah. That's a hard thing for anybody to learn and I vibe with you. Thank you. <laughs> um, so this is kind of two questions but I'll combine them into one because they're just opposite questions. Mm-hmm. So where have you felt most at home and where have you felt most out of place? The place I think I've felt most at home is actually Madeline and my cousin and also my roommate now, Katrina's house. Mm-hmm. Um, they used to live together and I used to just go over there all the time and it was just really great. Mm-hmm. I just really liked hanging out with them. It was just, we just have like chill nights and they would, I'd stayed over at their house quite a bit. So yeah, it was just, it was just a really comfy place for me. What was the second part? Oh, where have you felt most out of place? Where have I felt most out of place? I think just like womanhood, <laughs> if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, just, I don't know. It feels like there's a lot of things that people assume that a person's going to do that I just haven't done. Mm-hmm. Like get um, your ears pierced? Yeah. Did you notice I don't have my ears pierced? <laughs> yeah, I, I don't have my ears pierced. That's one thing. And that's just something that I feel like is expected of you when you're a girl. Mm-hmm. Also, I don't dress like one. Mm-hmm. Um, and I never really have. And mm-hmm. people have always kind of questioned that. And also, I'm gay. So I've never fit into all of the boxes that I feel like I'm supposed to fit into. Mm-hmm. So I felt really out of place. But I feel like I'm in a place now where I feel quite at peace with all of the things that I am. Does that make sense? Amazing. Yeah. I feel like I struggle with that and I'm not even <laughs> a person that doesn't dress like a girl or mm-hmm. is gay. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I can only imagine how complex it is <laughs> to mm-hmm. feel in place somewhere like that. I really feel at home. Um, I think it's more of a feeling with people than it is necessarily a physical place. Mm-hmm. Um, that being said, I do love, for example, my grandma's apartment because I have my earliest memories I think from there, especially with the smell of it, mm-hmm. um, and also knowing that my mom grew up there mm-hmm. is really um, interesting because it's almost like having memories that aren't yours but feel like they are. Yeah. Um, there's some people I think that really give me that. So I have a friend named Luba, and I love her dearly. She's doing her master's at McGill right now, um, and I feel like when we met, we just hit it off really fast and that like she's like on the short list of people that have seen me cry oh wow (laughs) which is really nice yeah so I think that when people make me feel at home it's like I it's like there's always something that's like itching me or bothering me but then when I'm around them like I just I realize I haven't been thinking about those things which is really nice I feel out of place around Stacey's these keep coming up but I feel like (laughs) I've just been thinking about them I feel out of place for example like walking down what up um on like a you know like a weekend evening Mm -hmm. but I think a lot of people do so it's not necessarily that I'm the polar opposite to those things it's just like that's one of the things that I don't fit into mm-hmm. I also feel out of place I think um when I have to do something really fast I feel like I think fast but I don't act very fast mm-hmm. <laughs> which is kind of scary as a nurse but this is what yeah. I'm working on <laughs> that must be a lot of pressure it is it's such a big bond of trust though <laughs> that yeah you have with people you're looking after I don't know yeah, it's big. I don't. I don't know what I've gotten myself into. I also think it's kind of messed up that like, you can be like just like twenty one and be a nurse. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. It's it's so 
wild that okay so we have this life expectancy of like 80 more yeah. than 80 and you need to figure out what you're gonna do with 60 of it in the first 20 but also half my friends are like living with six roommates and like working in a bar yeah <laughs> yeah exactly so. it's also arbitrary it all feels so arbitrary it is very much so yeah do you have another question i do have another question oh this is this is a question that's similar to the per- perception question okay um but it's What's something that people think about you that is at odds with your self-perception? It's exactly the same question now that I'm thinking about it. But, okay, but this is something I didn't address. I feel like people um, often tell me that I'm very warm and, like, loving, I mm-hmm. guess. Uh, and those things are true on some level. But also, I just have days that I hate being alive. And I hate the fact that every anybody else is alive also. Uh-huh. Um, and I really, really feel that. Like, it's not even a cute feeling, honestly. It's a kind of it's kind of scary i'm like it's like having a, like a cannonball in your body and you're like this is super heavy and also probably dangerous mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah what about you i also really don't like when people think i'm cute i agree with you on that okay you were saying earlier mm-hmm. that oh it just drives me nuts i'm like i know i look 12 but i'm 23 and mm-hmm. i feel like i'm past cute mm-hmm. let me be something beyond cute you mm-hmm. know there's my gripe. It's frustrating. Air my grievances of the day. Also, I hate it when I'm having like a big meltdown and somebody's like, are you done? I'm like, no. Oh, that's the worst. <laughs> oh, okay. These are our grievances. Yes. Okay. <laughs> How do you, do you have any thoughts on the climate crisis? I have so many thoughts on the climate okay, crisis. There are like three of them. Okay. Um, first of all, I think that a lot of the things that I personally do Mm -hmm. with regard to climate change or, you know, trying to be a person who's alive on a planet that I feel is kind of dying Mm -hmm. um, is kind of, like, out of anxiety, Mm -hmm. you know? Like, I'm vegetarian, not because I, like, disagree with eating meat, but because I know that it has such an environmental impact that I cannot go through life not feeling guilty or part of the reason that I don't drive my car very much is that I just would feel so guilty if I did mm-hmm. another thing that I think about the climate crisis is that I think it's really easy to get down about it mm-hmm. it, it, it feels very scary but I, I think that part of managing anxiety in a positive way is that we need to remember that we are so smart like we do stupid things all the time but as a as a species we are so smart and i think that believe it or not sometimes it's really hard to believe i do think that we have everybody's best interests in mind mm-hmm. or at least the majority of us do okay so i think it's just a matter of um getting into a space where people who do not have best interests in mind or their interest is interest, you know what I mean? Um, that maybe we should try to, you know, wrestle control back to people who actually, you know, care about people. How many was that? I think that was two. Those are good thoughts. I'll, I'll stop with two. That's a good point. Because I could go on this for like 45 minutes. Um, that's amazing. I'd like you to do that one day. <laughs> Maybe that's another podcast idea. 36 but... questions. Once we fall in love with the 36 questions, <laughs> yes. I'll go on a climate change rant. We're going to the past. We need like climate change. <laughs> Pause. Yeah. Um, I agree with what you're saying about like making environmental decisions um, maybe kind of out of guilt because I'm vegetarian for the... 
a vegetarian for the same reason. Um, one of the thoughts that frustrates me is I think I've seen a lot of climate dialogue lately about people saying like you shouldn't be so critical about people's personal habits when it's like these 12 corporations that are responsible for so many emissions. Mm -hmm. I think that the problem with that is that it doesn't scale down the impact or scale up the impact of our individual decisions because the reason that many corporations I think or corporations are responsible for so many emissions is because of the choices we make individually and the way that those rack up. I totally agree and I think about this all the time. Yeah it's like why do you think that they're trying to make money how do you think that they're making money they're making money off of us so it is individual decision like i know that there's a lot of it that's out of our hands it is but at the same time you can't be like oh well it's not it's not on me anyway and eat your burger you know totally and there's uh and it also is part of like what your culture permits or um finds acceptable like i don't know just like all of this all of this just like abundant online shopping (laughs) And single-use, like, coffee cups and stuff like that. And I, on an individual level, like, your one cup doesn't make a difference. But everybody's cups do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. There's 11, 11 corporations or whatever that are contributing to 70% of the climate change. But there's also 7 billion people saying there's 11 corporations, you know, and not doing anything on a personal scale, which causes the issue. The issue that we have here is, like you say, like, rampant consumerism that is leading us down this hole that I don't think we want to be going down. I'm also super critical of the population control argument because um, <laughs> it's super, like, neo-Malthusian. Um, yeah. And it blames the people that are, contribute the least to climate change and bear the most of its effects. Yeah, for it's, the most it's part. incredibly racist. It's just racist. It is. It's, um, oh, and even the, so mad. Uh, even the feminism, I think, is expressed usually in, like, white savior kind of terms. It's like, we need to educate these women. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's that's what I worry about with, you know, like I was talking about with my the research that I do. Like, yeah. I feminist that we should, you know, save these people or whatever because I think that they should just be given the tools to help themselves, mm-hmm. like, genuinely. Like, it, it just seems so fake to me that we need to help people. Not Not in a sense that, like, people should like pull themselves up by the boot their bootstraps that's not what i think at all but mm-hmm. that we don't think that people are actually capable of helping themselves i think is a really harmful and damaging thing yes we really need to get out of that mindset because i think that's what got us in this place in the first place <laughs> <laughs> okay new question because this is just too exciting right yes what are you looking forward to I'm really looking forward to going to Montreal at the end of this week. So like I said before, Luba lives there and she lives with her sister. Um, and I'm also really looking forward to seeing my, my pal. His name is Zach. Ooh, Zach. Is he, is he a pal or like a pal? We're like, we're, I think we're in love. I think I can like even oh. say this on a podcast, but we're like not dating. So that's so sweet. It's just going to be nice, I think, because I love um, the idea of not being in school and I love the idea of like spending just like time with with people that like I know and we like have all of these things that we like to to do together and just to like have a have a week where I can I don't know like sleep in and cook soup and whatever amazing (laughs) (laughs) ideal day sleep in cook soup (laughs) repeat (laughs) yeah well tell Zach that I I already uh dibs 36 questions (laughs) okay we'll be fine I'm excited for you. I'm Thank excited you. for you to go. I'm I'm looking forward to what you're looking forward to. What are you excited about? I'm honestly 
kind of excited to just see what the next year holds yeah and that's not something that i usually can say i usually feel like dread (laughs) about (laughs) thinking about the future but Mm. honestly i feel like things are on the up and up if that makes sense I, i i think that things are going to start to go better maybe i'm wrong i hope i'm not but I don't know everything's so messed up right now mm-hmm. everything just feels so hopeless and i really think that people are starting to realize just how messed up things are mm-hmm. and i hope that that brings change yeah. i really hope so but we'll see i swear if like the so much of my perception of the world is hinging right now off of like the u.s midterm elections and i think like mm-hmm. if those disappoint me i'm gonna like lose my shit right oh my god the polls are probably closing like pretty soon as yeah. we record this oh my god let's like live tweet each other (laughs) (laughs) install twitter on my phone just so we can do that okay live just yell at each other about it honestly (laughs) yeah facebook message you that was a good question thank you this is my very last one okay who would you slow dance with right now if given the opportunity i would slow dance with you wow all alone in this room this green sprite green room for context, it's super hard to slow dance in this room because it's full of furniture and books. <laughs> but yeah. that'd be amazing. Yeah, there's mm-hmm. a, there's enough space to do a twirl. I think. Are you are you a fan of slow dancing? I'm so bad at dancing. Wow, I'm terrible That's at so it. Sweet. I'm just the worst. <laughs> I really wish I was good at it, but every time I do it, it's just. You don't even need to be that good at slow dancing. It's like a slow rotating hug. <laughs> it is, but you need to have like the same rhythm as the person, yeah. and I'm just like, okay, where are we going? Who's leading? I hope you are, because I'm a disaster. Chaotic good. Yeah. <laughs> okay. What about you? Who would you be slow dancing with? Meryl Streep. Oh, that's a better answer. That's a better <laughs> answer. I was just writing it down. I just think she's, like, impressive. She is so impressive. I love that photo of her, like, feeding cake to Carrie Fisher. Or maybe it's the other way around. One of them is feeding the other cake. <laughs> I have not seen this picture. Can I'll you please to, send it to me later? Yeah, I'll try to find it. It's like they're, It looks like they're at a house party in the 90s. Um, yeah. And I feel like the whole time I would just, like, try to imbue as much of Meryl Streep into myself as I could. You should. Yeah. That's great. Also, I love the kind of feeling that... I don't know, because I feel like it'd be... I can admire Meryl Streep in a way that I can't admire, like, an old dude. (laughs) Oh, yeah? Why is that? Because, first of all, I think so few old dudes are admirable. Also, I think, like, most men are just kind of threatening, and Meryl Streep just doesn't have that for some reason. (laughs) Yeah, fair enough. Mm -hmm. I've been um, having a Meryl Streep marathon with some of my friends. We have only watched two movies. We've watched... Oh, no, we watched three we watched Julia and Julia, uh-huh. and then we watched Into the Woods, and mm-hmm. then we watched The Devil's Wears Prada, which inspired me to be the best at making breakfast. Yes. I am not yet, but I will be. I swear to you today. Amazing. Yeah. I can't wait. I, I'll <laughs> make you breakfast sometime. Wow. After see. 36 questions. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I love that. How do you like your eggs? <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait. Are you vegan? No. Okay. <laughs> I like them vegan. <laughs> well, I think that's it. We answered all 20 of our questions. Amazing. It only took like two hours. <laughs> I'm such a fan. Yeah, me too. That was a really cool experience. Yes, thank you for this. So yeah. I'm going to yeet off to um, Van Vliet for my kickboxing class. It was so nice to meet you. Yeah, it was really nice to meet you too. What an interesting way to meet a person. Talk soon. Bye, everyone.
Thanks for listening to part two of the first episode of Nice to Meet You. We hope you'll join us for episode two. Thanks as well for your patience as we learn the ropes of podcast making. Special thanks to Madeline Stout for introducing Lisa and I. This could have never happened without you. Thanks as well to Brittany Heinz, who graciously lent us audio equipment on very short notice, and to Dr. Damien Collins of Collins Lab for Urban Excellence for graciously letting us record our first episode in your bright green office. Finally, thank you to Lisa Chatterjee for being so cool and letting me get to know you in this less than traditional way. Talk to you soon.